The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for this Friday, June 9th. Coming up today... A first for an ex-president, Donald Trump, charged for refusing to turn over classified documents. I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. We'll have more from Trump, plus analysis on the historic case. And also the politics at play, how this impacts the run for the White House. Air quality in New York City improves for the first time since Monday. Plus a surprise Supreme Court ruling on Alabama's congressional maps. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Heartbreaking loss for the Mets. Doubleheader split for the Yankees. Florida beat Vegas in overtime in the Stanley Cup final. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And good morning. I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. We begin this morning with extraordinary news in presidential politics. For the first time in history, a former U.S. president is facing federal charges. Sources tell us Donald Trump is facing seven counts over his refusal to return classified documents from his home in Florida. The former president maintained his innocence in a Truth Social post last night. It's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened. I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. And we'll fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could devote our full time to making America great again. And that's exactly what we did. But now, again, our country is in decline. We're a failing nation. And this is what they do. Former President Trump says he's been asked to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami to face the charges on Tuesday. And Nathan, before word of the indictment came down, there were reports that charges were imminent. And against that backdrop, President Biden rejected the idea that the case would be politically motivated. Because you notice I have never once, not one single time, suggested to the Justice Department what they should do or not do relative to bringing a charge or not bringing a charge. I'm honest. Well, President Biden addressed the matter following a joint news conference with the U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. And reaction is pouring into the indictment. Jeannie Shianzano is a political contributor for Bloomberg News. The word here is extraordinary. Never in American history have we seen something like this happen to a former president, let alone somebody who is the leading candidate for the nomination for the major party. And while this may be a big advantage for the former president's Republican opponents, Bloomberg's Wendy Benjaminson says it may not be enough to derail Trump's campaign. He may still, despite the indictment and despite being on trial during the primary season next year, he may still be able to pull off the nomination. Bloomberg's Wendy Benjaminson reports the indictment was filed under seal. Bloomberg News has learned it contains seven charges, including willful retention of national defense information, corruptly concealing documents, and conspiracy to obstruct justice. For more on this extraordinary news, we bring in Julie Norman, co-director of the Center on U.S. Politics at University College London. Professor, thanks for being with us this morning. We've seen former President Trump take U.S. politics into uncharted territory many times 
things before. But federal charges against a former president, it's really something we've never seen before. It is indeed unprecedented again, as things often are with Trump. The first federal criminal charges, distinct from the the state-level charges, of course, that we saw several months ago. Notable, of course, what these charges are regarding the willful, perhaps a willful retention of national defense secrets, as well as obstruction of justice. Um, So these are relatively serious charges for Trump. I will say, however, though, that Trump is as usual, trying to get out in front of it, put a lot of spin on it, show himself as the victim of a government witch hunt. And this is the same narrative that's being picked up by even many other Republican contenders for the primary nomination. So this is probably not going to hurt Trump that much with his supporters uh, right off the bat. Might not hurt him with his supporters, but since we brought it into the realm of presidential politics here, does this hurt him with some of those potential swing voters that might still be out there, you know, more than a year before the presidential election? Well, definitely, Nathan. And I think that's the important thing to keep in mind here is that the short term and the long term political implications of this for the primaries, for Trump's base. Again, if anything, this will probably galvanize him further. But if he does get that nomination, and if he is in that general election, I do think this would hurt him with independents, with moderates. And as you said, with those key swing voters that he needs uh, would need to get him over the line again. This comes with the same special counsel still investigating the former president's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. This is just over the classified documents case at Mar-a-Lago. Could this potentially be more serious than the other investigation that the special counsel is still mounting? We will probably still hear something from Department of Justice about if they're going to pursue anything for Trump regarding January 6th. I do think that would land and hit a little bit differently, but that's further down the road. For this uh, investigation, they have been looking at this for you know a while now and decided to go forward with these charges based on you know, a couple of different pieces of evidence that I assume will come to light a bit more next week. Um, but again, this is still on the backdrop of numerous state charges still playing out as well. We're still expecting something from Georgia. So This is one of many, but I would say the fact that it's federal, the fact that they do think they have a case here is notable. The former president's competitors are going to have a difficulty staying out of the fray here. You mentioned that they've started to comment on this as well. Do you see this overshadowing the race when you have so many other candidates involved in this 2024 campaign? Well, it does in a way, Nathan. I mean, I think this is one reason why Trump really just took over the headlines, you know, this spring and kind of pushed even, you know, DeSantis, other people that we thought might be bigger players into a bit more of a sideline role because he was just in the headlines so much with these legal challenges. And I think that will continue to be the case here. And and it puts those candidates on, you know, the responsive end. They can't talk about what they want to talk about. They have to respond to what's happening with Trump. All right. Thanks for this, Professor. Good to have you with us. That's Julie Norman, co-director of the Center on U.S. Politics at University College London. That's the political side of things. Stay tuned for legal analysis of the charges against former President Trump. That is coming up shortly right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. And for a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A thick, hazardous haze of wildfire smoke is looming over daily life for millions of people across the eastern U.S. and Canada for a third day. The air quality in New York City improved to moderate overnight. 
according to data from the New York Department of Environmental Conservation. People in the city who are sensitive to particle pollution are still being advised to consider reducing their activity. Mayor Eric Adams says while conditions will likely improve throughout the weekend, people should keep their masks on and not let their guards down. We clearly understand that these uh, crises that we're facing around our health is something we want to have to deal with. Um, Climate change is real, and we must be prepared as we are uh, dealing with the issues that come from climate change. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy says he spoke to Canadian authorities. And the scale of this is extraordinary. They said they had 10 million acres burning, that that number was going to go up, they believe, to 12 million that there are over 200 separate fires. The conditions sent asthma sufferers to hospitals, delayed flights, postponed ball games, and pushed back a White House Pride Month celebration. The main suspect in the 2005 disappearance of Natalie Holloway is in Alabama after being handed over to U.S. custody. Jorn Vandersloot's arrival comes roughly a month after both countries agreed on his extradition. He is wanted in the U.S. on account of extortion and wire fraud. Nearly two decades ago, Holloway disappeared during a high school graduation trip on the Caribbean island of Aruba. The Supreme Court decision ordering Alabama to redraw its congressional maps was seen by many minority lawmakers and voting rights activists as a stunning victory. The court, in a 5-4 ruling, found that Alabama concentrated black voters in one district while spreading them out among the others to make it much more difficult to elect more than one candidate of their choice. Duell Ross with the Legal Defense Fund argued the case to change the congressional map. This is a really important decision. It has implications nationally for uh, voting rights litigation all over the country, including in places like Georgia and, and Louisiana. Plaintiff's attorney, Duell Ross, spoke to ABC. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here with that is John Stanshower. All right, Nathan, as heartbreaking losses go, hard to top what just happened to the Mets in Atlanta. Considering how much they needed a win out to end a five-game losing streak, they scored in five straight innings. Brandon Nimmo at a grand slam. Francisco Alvarez homered twice. The Mets led 10-6 in the sixth inning. Back came the Braves. Travis Darnot, two-run homer, eighth inning off Drew Smith. Orlando Arcia, game-tying solo shot with one out of the ninth off David Robertson. Tenth inning, Ozzie Albies faced Tommy Hunter. Two on, two out, the pitch. Swung on, belted, deep right field. Get out of here, Ozzie. Home run. Ball game. You asked for the dagger, Ben. You got the dagger. The fan Braves swept the Mets. They won 13-10. Yankees and White Sox split two at the stadium. Chicago hit four home runs in the opener, won 6-5. Yanks then won 3-0 behind rookie Randy Vasquez. The Yanks will host the struggling Red Sox tonight. We'll see if the Florida Panthers can come back and win the Stanley Cup final. They still trail Vegas two games to one. But win or lose in the series, what a run it's been for the Panthers. Seeded eighth. 
faced elimination three times in the first round against Boston. They were one minute from losing Game 7, and last night they were three minutes from trailing 3-0 in the series. Matthew Kachuk continued his great playoff with the tying goal. Carter Verhage scored in overtime. The Panthers won 3-2. They are 7-0 in overtime games. NBA Finals tonight, Denver also at Miami. The Nuggets are up 2-1. French Open semifinals this morning. It's 36-year-old Novak Djokovic, the winner of 22 Grand Slams versus the 20-year-old phenom, Carlos Alcaraz, who's actually the betting favorite today in Paris. John Stash, Allen, Bloomberg Sports. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We go right back to our top story of the morning. Federal charges against former President Donald Trump. We are told the former president is facing seven counts from special counsel Jack Smith, including willful retention of national defense information, corruptly concealing documents and conspiracy to obstruct justice. All of this related to his handling of classified documents taken from the White House and stored at his home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. To dig into the details now on the legal side of things, we are joined once again by Bloomberg legal analyst and host of Bloomberg Law, June Grosso. June, it's good to have you back with us this morning. Tell us more about what these charges mean and what kind of legal jeopardy the former president is under right now. Well, these are serious charges. He faces years in prison on many of these counts. And of course, it hasn't been unsealed yet, so we don't know for sure what all the counts are. But some of them, for example, willful retention of national defense documents is part of the Espionage Act, and it says that any authorized person who knowingly removes with intent to retain at an unauthorized location classified documents about U.S. defense. So you can see there that it doesn't matter exactly what his what where he kept them or whatever, but you could see that there that's an e- one of the easier counts. The conspiracy count is the most interesting actually, because it means that they have at least one other person. There has to be an agreement for two people to commit a crime and a step taken. So they have another person who is involved in this, who is likely able to testify. And what's interesting about this is that we know, we've heard, it's been reported that there is an audio tape of the former president uh, waving a document around and saying that this document is about national secrets having to do with Iran and that he shouldn't have it. So what you see there is that they're trying to show that there's an intent that he knows what he's doing, that he knows they weren't, that they weren't unclassified, as he said so many times before. So, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty broad, and we expect to learn a lot more just by reading the indictment. It might be a speaking indictment, which the one in New York was not, which would tell us all the information that it's based on. 
Now, we've heard from the president of the past uh, defending himself even before this indictment came down, saying that he had a standing order to declassify documents. He even told a uh, interviewer in one case that he could declassify documents just by thinking about it. How could the former president potentially defend himself against the special counsel charges? So that's the real big question right now, because the charges look pretty substantial. And that defense that he's raised so many times that you mentioned, I mean, there just is no backup for that defense. And also, from what we understand from reports, the special counsel has called people to testify before the grand jury that former President Trump knew what the proper procedure was for declassifying documents. And so that would point to the fact that what he's saying is is just not true. He did declassify documents in the proper way, and that just seems not to fly. So maybe they could say something about intent, that he didn't have the intent to do any of these things. However, there's a lot of information out there and a lot of testimony that shows that he did intend. I mean, there's some information that there's a tape of a person moving documents, moving boxes at Mar-a-Lago the day before the Justice Department was coming in to collect documents. And if he directed that person, as is suspected or reported, then that would show his intent. So there are a lot of different pieces here, but I think I can't see a definitive defense right now. Of course, we don't know the facts, and we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the charges. So, you know, every what always happens is that, you know, you think, oh, there's no possible defense here. And then the lawyers come up with defenses. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed by 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm John Tucker. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. 
More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.